BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. This is the Four Man Rush. Hello, Panther fans, and welcome back to the Four Man Rush podcast. I'm your host, Timmy Vio, here with Kevin and Will again tonight. We are, some of our fellows are on, on uh, IR, so we're just going to uh, take up the slack and give you guys what you need on Panther News, right? Right on. So, let's get down to it. Uh, real quick about the topics we're going to cover tonight. Um, first and foremost, and more importantly, uh, Cam's throwing motion, um, how he's looking, and uh, see some of the uh, growth in his uh, throwing motion as well. Uh, maybe this injury was a blessing. We'll see. Uh, acquisition of Javian uh, Elliott. Perry Fowell's assessment on the secondary. Um, Rivera's comments on the offensive line and the uh, OTAs and some of our uh, insight on some other Panther-related topics. So, first and foremost, Cam's throwing motion. Um, I, I know Will is going to put out something special for uh, – uh, for the fans in terms of a video content. Um, so we'll, we'll come to you last. And uh, Kevin, um, start us off, man. Um, <clears throat> what did you see in Cam's throwing motion and, um, uh, and his effectiveness, possibly? Yeah, what I saw with Cam's throwing motion is I saw that Cam is throwing it in a much more compact motion. It seems to be where when the ball is being released, it's coming right from his you know, right by his head, by his shoulder. It, it gives a more of a release. Kind of reminds me of how Drew Brees throws the ball. Now, I'm not saying, let me clarify <laughs> it, chance like Drew Brees. But in short, compact throw motion is what really stood out the most to me. Mm. And definitely being able to see Cam use footwork because all of his targets today were stationary. Nobody was running routes, anything like that. It's just to get that motion going and to be able to allow Cam to just get that shoulder back used to throwing a football again. So I really like the fact that for, you know, what Ron Rivera says, the first step of many, you know, three months away from week one against the Rams at home. You know, hey, this was this was a long awaited debut. This was the first time in public Cam Newton throwing a football to teammates since, you know, uh, week 15, the Monday night game, um, that heartbreaking loss to the uh, Saints. Yeah. Uh, that this was long overdue. And, and, you know, I'm not really a big mechanics guy, particularly when it comes to, you know, quarterbacks and throwing motion. You know, I was always blocking, making sure he had time to throw. But that, from my point, from my vantage point, that's the main thing to show out a, a tighter combat, uh, compact 
throwing motion from Cam Newton, and it seemed to have to put the ball on a nice spin, and seemed like the guys were were catching it, and and um, you know, a good start. Outstanding! Oh man, I'm excited. So, Will, what did you see? Yeah, there's a couple things you want to look at with um, his throwing motion today. I mean, don't think too much of it. He's still getting back into the groove of things after that um, recovering from shoulder surgery. But one, they're keeping the ball tight and compact, you know, closer to his head. And he wants to generate power with his hips and lower body instead of, you know, he's primarily been a power thrower, you know, using his arm. But when you throw like that, you're putting a lot of strain on that shoulder. So this new throwing motion and using his hips and his lower body more in it, and to generate power on his throws, that's going to help preserve his shoulder, hopefully, once we get deep into the season. But they made a good comment on NFL Network today. You know, I want to – it's one thing to do it in practice now, but he's got to do it repetitiously so that it becomes a habit because, you know, it's going to be week 10, you know, fourth quarter, down by three. He gets tired. You know, that pass rush is getting to him. He's going to be able to maintain these mechanics under pressure, you know, with his, when he gets tired. Or is it going to fall apart and go back to his old habits? So – so we just got to see. I think right now he's just getting into the groove and trying to establish good habits so this new throwing motion can become a permanent thing and he'll be able to, you know, have that memory down late in the season to maintain it. Absolutely. Yeah, once you get that throwing motion and it's, you know, effortless because we all know how strong his lower body and his core has to be. I mean, he's a freak, right? So if he can just generate that power from his lower body and the torque in his in his torso, and that fl- and flick of the wrist, man, he not only is he going to limit the uh, the size of the pocket that it, that he needs to operate, right? Because if you compact like that, you're not you don't have to use all that room um, that that you require your offensive line to try to produce, right? You stay compact, use your torso, use your use your lower body, flick of the wrist. Yeah, I can put that nice tight spiral on the ball, but that's that's all you need. Yeah, and it was good that the fact that, you know, they had Cam thrown at different distances as well. Uh, the first throws were no more than like two or three yards. Uh, then started throwing out to about eight yards when he was throwing to, you know, the running backs like McCaffrey. And then moved a little bit further out about 15 yards and eventually got up to Cam throwing at 25 yards. And uh, from what the reports were showing, they, they looked all good. So it's good that, you know, again, take it for what it's worth. First throws coming back from, you know, second major sh- shoulder surgery. Live with teammates. You know, it's just it's just a just laying the foundation, folks. It's, you know, we just got to, you know, build, build, build that arm back up to what it was pre-surgery when Cam Newton had one of the prettiest deep balls in the league. And, mm. you know, got to be salivating as a fan thinking about, you know, what a healthy O-line and a healthy Cam can do with the weapons and the talent we got. But it's, you know, we just got to – can't cheat the process, though. You know, so whatever plan that uh, head trainer Ryan Vermillion and the uh, staff have for Cam Newton, whatever pitch count they got him on as fans – Let's just be patient because the only throws that going to count the most are week one at home against the Rams. So whatever leads up to get on just right until then, all for it. Amen. You got to keep in mind with uh, throwing the stationary targets. All you're trying to do at this stage in the offseason is 
to have them develop good habits so it can become permanent. So this is just the first step in doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we got a couple of new additions uh, from, uh, after the uh, big McCoy pickup. Um, primarily in the uh, Panthers secondary, I believe. Is that is, is that right, Kevin? Yeah, that's right. Um, Carolina Panthers, right after the signing of McCoy a couple of days later, uh, picked up McCoy's teammate down in Tampa, uh, cornerback um, Javian Elliott. Um, he's primarily played slot, but he can play inside and outside. So, again, that's where that value comes in with position uh, flexibility. According to Pro Football Focus, he was Tampa Bay's best defensive back in coverage last year. Actually, slightly graded better than our own um, Dante Jackson. Uh, when I say slight, we're talking about Elliott was 68, and I think Jackson was like 67. So we're not talking about a huge range here. I mean, the top guy on the list in the division was Lattimore at 72, and then it was... I can't forget who was in Atlanta. I don't think it was a true font. I'm not quite sure, but we cared much about a Atlanta buzzard anyway. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is, is that, you know, I, I dug into the numbers a little bit and I, and I looked at how many defensive snaps that Elliott took. And I noticed that he only took a third of the defensive snaps in Tampa last year, like out of a thousand and fifty defensive snaps, he took about three hundred and fifty three. So we're talking about somebody that, you know, for what snaps he got, he made them count. Now, does that mean this his coverage is as good as Jackson's was last year? You know what? It remains to be seen. You know, could this just be a sample size? Could the lower amount of snaps kind of maybe inflate his grade? Because compared to, you know, Jackson, you know, Dante Jackson, who had 889, was eight, if I'm not mistaken, point being is you know as much as it hurt his only interception came against the Panthers last year when he baited Cam into throwing so you know the least he can do is um you know do that a few times for us instead of against us now but yeah he's definitely someone that is going to add more competition to that nickel cornerback spot uh, we've always said we want to take the most competitive 90-man roster there nickelback is the new starter in the NFL nowadays so you know, with three, four guys that's going to be getting looked at at that spot, I definitely think that he's going to feel like that he's definitely got a chance to come in and earn some reps and earn him a spot. So I like the move. I think it's going to be good for us. Now, whether he makes the team or not, it's going to be left up to him and Camp Walford and the preseason games. But he's definitely someone I think is going to help push the other, other guys that's battling for um, playing time during training camp and during the preseason. Yeah, I I can't I can't wait to see this come to fruition, man. Um and I know uh Will that you had a, a nice little piece on uh, uh Mr. Golden. How do you think that uh, uh the new addition will help in coverage, especially um with with our current secondary? Well, he can um come in, he'll be an immediate uh competitor for that nickel spot. Right now, you got three guys competing for that spot, or you had three guys competing for that spot. It was Corn Elder, uh, Ross Cockrell, and Kevon Seymour. So, Elliot will add that competition at the nickel. Uh, Galden, he plays both safety, and he's also taking some snaps at nickel as well. Mm. 
So, you know, it's just it's so early in camp. It's just hard to see how all, where, where all these pieces will fall into place. You know, it's um, you love to see the competition, but, you know, we just got to see how it all plays out. You know, I think Elliott, you know, he brings the – he had a pretty decent season in Tampa. I don't know if he – you know, he's better than the guys we have already, you know, Cockrell and Seymour, so that'll be a good thing to look out for, mm-hmm. you know, this summer. So, you know, just right now, just be excited about these camp battles. You know, iron sharpens iron. Let's watch these guys compete. Let the pieces fall where they may. Absolutely. Um, speaking of the secondary, uh, I think most of, most of the Panthers Panther Nation um, knows about the uh, addition of Coach uh, Fowell uh, coming up from Jacksonville, um, a reputable <laughs> coach, mind you. Um, I didn't know that he um, actually got his, uh, un- I believe, his undergrad at Lenore Ryan University up in Hickory, um, close to my old stomping ground. So. Uh, Come back, uh, some somewhat of a uh, home return from, from from coach, um, and he's given his uh, his his piece on what he sees in the secondary and the uh, the players that that he's coaching. Um, um, what did what did he uh, what did he say about that, Kevin? How, how's he feeling about our secondary? All right, well, with Coach Per uh, Fuel, you know, with his extensive, you know, background and resume, and I'll, I'll let Will be the one to. Uh, really go in there and, and uh, you know, fill that in. But, you know, we're talking about somebody that for the last couple of years that had the Jacksonville Jaguars secondary as one of the more elite secondaries in the NFL, despite the Jaguars record. When you look at their pass defense, if I'm not mistaken, it was still uh, top 10, um, I'm from not, maybe even top five. But mm. either way, you know, with the talent that they had, Obviously, that helps, but, you know, a lot can be said for what Perry Farrell brings to the table. And what I also like is that what he said about our guys is, you know, he loves himself some Eric Reed. You know, he was the mm-hmm. first guy that he mentioned. He was bringing out the fact that with Eric Reed, that, you know, he listens, he works hard. Uh, he's someone that can play some anywhere and he can make plays. So he really seems to have a thing for the not only the skill set, but the leadership of Eric Reed as well. Now, that was something that he definitely pointed out and mentioned, you know, when he was giving his, you know, first time assessment of the secondary. And then he started talking about James Bradbury and he told him he was up front. He was just like, he's a good player, but there's some things that we can do to make him a, a much better player. And these things have been well discussed by not only us here at the four man rush, but throughout, you know, the Panther nation as well and the different, Panther groups online. Overall, it just seems that uh, Coach Fowell is excited about the talent that he has to work with here. And he was also mentioning like things such with uh, Dante Jackson about, you know, him staying focused throughout the game, you know, because of the fact that he had some early success picking off, you know, the ball at, at times, you know, he wouldn't get thrown at and he'll lose sometime interest. And he just wants to make sure that he helps you know, make sure that that's not a constant issue with him in the 2019 season. So, you know, and uh, overall, I just like the fact that, you know, we now have a certified position coach, coaching our defensive backs. You know, it's been a lot of turnover in the defensive coaching ranks for the Panthers over the last few years. But I really think that, you know, with the resume that 
Coach Fuel is bringing, along with the talent that we already have, he's going to take some good guys and make them better. And I'm, I for one, am very excited to look forward to it. Definitely want to see if he can uh, bring back Thieves Avenue and make it a uh, 2.0. Mm. Well, that front line, boy, I, I, it's, it's going to get ugly, I hope. Oh, uh, man. Hey, Will, uh, what's your what's your take on uh, on Coach's um, take on the secondary? <laughs> yeah, just uh, some background information. Uh, he was uh, Perry Fuel was the defensive backs coach on the 2005 Chicago Bears. So he, uh, Ron oh. Rivera was the defensive coordinator on that team. If you remember, they went 11 and five oh, yeah. and went to the Super Bowl. They go to Super Bowl in 05. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, no, the yeah. oh no, no, we beat him. That was when Steve Smith tore him up. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Man, that peanut team. Oh yeah. five, yeah. How could I forget that? Yeah, yeah it was the old sixties, uh, and they went to the Super Bowl. Mm. Right, uh, the Super Bowl right, was right. played in oh seven, mm. uh, James, uh, February oh seven, when they played the Bears in uh, Miami. But, right. Yeah, but so but in oh five, right? Oh five though, Perry Fuel was the defensive backs coach, and Ron Rivera was the defensive coordinator for the Bears. Rivera's coached with them before. You know, he's been with other teams like the Giants and, like we said, the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, but I think, you know, he talked about the four starters in the secondary, you know, about Golden, you know, that he's a talented player, but he just lacks experience. And I think, you know, when you watch him on film, that's consistent with what the coach said. You know, you, you see his talent. You know, he's got good football instincts, reading, reactability. You know, he's a good tackler. You know, when he – but it's just, you know, his experience at playing free safety, he's got to get used to playing in space. So that's the thing with Galden and Bradbury. I think it's pretty clear what he is. You know, he just got to develop those ball skills better. It's promising to see, you know, Coach Fuel saying that Bradbury is showing improved ball skills and helmet and shorts. So let's see if it translates to Sundays. With uh, Dante, you know, it's no denying his talent. Mm-hmm. It's just about being that consistent, dominant corner. You know, I have high expectations for him. You know, I want to see him in the Pro Bowl next year. And then, of course, Eric Reed. you know, he's got a lot of good things to say about him as well. So, I mean, I think we'll see a much improved secondary this year, hopefully. You know, coaching can only do so much. But I think, you know, it's maybe he can get light bulbs going off in these guys' heads to take help them elevate their games to that next level. So, you know, hopefully, you know, secondary has been kind of a weakness for too long now. Hoping this is that year we can turn that around and change things. Yeah, you, you know, you hit on something, man, I haven't even thought about. Our secondary, collectively, has not been a force to reckon with in some time. Uh, the, the the secondary in the 2015 season was kind of, I guess you can say in the in the right place at the right time because we didn't have a lot of speed in that secondary, but we have we had veteran savvy. But our pass rush and our linebackers was just a hell of a, a a threat to deal with, and our secondary took advantage of it. But as far as you know, being able to cover people, right, and have that safety that that can come into the box and lay the boom on somebody, it has been a minute. I I, I to be honest with you, I'm I'm thinking back to the gamble days. You know, it, it, I mean, it's it's been a while since we had a secondary that's this stack, potentially speaking, in my in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think um, Josh Norman had a good interview the other day on WFNZ. They asked him, you know, how does this secondary, this Panthers secondary, compare to the 2015 secondary that you know that was called Thieves Ave? Mm-hmm. 
because mm-hmm. I think they're trying to recreate that and carry that thieves have tradition. Mm-hmm. And uh, what Josh basically said was, we don't know because they're so inexperienced. But Dante's in his second year, Golden's first year starting. Bradbury, you know, he's been in the league a few years, but he's still a young guy. Yeah, you know, so. And then the corners and Nichols going to be a young guy if it's Kevon or Elliott. So basically, Josh said the 2015 Thieves have, these were all veterans. You know, they had yeah. that veteran savvy, knew where to be, you know, read yeah. coverage, read on route combinations, be in the right place at the right time, mm-hmm. you know, and make those game changing plays. Whereas these guys are young. They might have more athleticism and higher ceiling players, but, you know, they got a lot to learn. So, they do. you know, will we see a return on Thieves have? You know, we'll see. Fingers crossed, man. You have anything to add, Kevin? Yeah, I just, you know, want to add that I think that the secondary camp battles that's going to take place all around is going to be something, you know, to watch. You know, even though Rashawn Golden is, seems to be the incumbent to get his opportunity to play uh, the other safety spot beside Reed, let's you know, keep in mind that there's there's some other guys that's hungry and they're looking to get a secure the bag for them for themselves and it's gonna, you know, really, you know, try to play their best to push him and to earn their opportunity. Uh it's kind of funny when uh Trey Boston was on the uh radio show, you know, he was throwing a little shade, you know, in my opinion, he was saying something along the lines that uh, you know, the Panthers don't really have that veteran to push Golden you know, the way that they had back in 2015. You know, when you listen to that interview, you know, you can tell Boston really, really wants to come back here. But, you know, you know, unless he's willing to take that one-year, $3 million caliber deal that Clinton Ha-Ha Dix took, you know, he can sit on the couch with Kelvin Benjamin. You know, they can have some Bojangles and watch us for all I care. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, let the young guys, you know, let the young guys play. You know, we spent a third round on Golden, but I don't want because we drafted him to be the reason that he starts and gets significant playing time. But definitely, you know, other guys like Quinn Blandon and uh, what's the other guy? Is it is it Nakai Kua? I can't think of his name. Well, that's somebody you kind of picked up on. But yeah, there's some there's some guys that's going to be pushing for playing time. You know, at that safety spot that I really think is going to make. You know, this whole secondary battle at cornerback, nickelback, and safety, you know, very intriguing. So, and I am can't wait. You know, I, I know mini camp this week, and then we got the six weeks off before training camp. It's going to be a little boring, but, you know, I'm going to have fun looking up all these guys and seeing what they had to offer and potentially bring to the table, man. But, yeah, camp, camp is going to be some serious, serious battles, and I, I, for one, looking forward to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, folks, if you're listening to this podcast, tell people about the four man rush because Lord knows uh, we don't do boring. <laughs> so <laughs> you got, you're going to be entertained and you're going to be educated all at the same time. So when you get that lull, you know, when you need that, that, that Panther, that Panther keep pounding kind of energy to keep you fresh for the upcoming season, you know where to go. The four man rush. Just a little tag. Had to do it. <laughs> All right, so we all know the OTAs are, are going on. Um, I heard some heard some good stuff from McCaffrey had an interview and uh, old McCoy, but you know the guy I'm always interested in, you know, 
is Coach Rivera. You know, even though he doesn't necessarily give out all the details, if if you understand what how Rivera operates, you can kind of nitpick a little bit and kind of get some cues of what what's to come, so to say. So, uh, Will, um, what do you, what do you think uh, Rivera um, was uh, was pointing to in terms of um, how he felt about the OTA so far? Yeah, just some things I was been reading about the offensive line. You know, I mean, Taylor Moten and Trey Turner. You know, they're emerging as the new leaders of the line, the vets that have been there a while. You know, Greg Little. You know, we got to be patient with his progress and development. Um, Greg Van Roten. Don't count him out. You know, he's not ready to give up that starting left guard spot yet. You know, I think everybody kind of assumed that. You know, you're going to see. Daryl Williams move inside and Greg Van Roten will just go back to being a backup in that rotational role. But, you know, he said he worked this hard to become a starter. He achieved his goal last year and started all 16 games, played every snap. And yet now his next goal is to keep his starting position. So, you know, there's still going to be some offensive line competition going on. That's what we should all be excited about. So, you know, we'll just see how this all plays out. You know, I know, you know, guys are moving around and getting, um, Reps at different positions. They tried Daryl at left tackle, moved him inside. I think Moulton's going to be the uh, solidify that right tackle position. You know, Trey, he's not going nowhere. And then, you know, you got the depth at the center with Parodies and um, Larson. So we'll see how it plays out. You know, I think the battle to watch there will be left guard. See if Greg Van Roten can hold on to that position or Daryl Williams comes back and returns to all pro form after his surgery. The storylines are intriguing, people. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, um, what do you hear about some OTA news? Yeah, what I was hearing about, you know, the OTAs from Rivera, and, and like he was saying, you know, you know, Rivera will give you the straightest face in the world and and, uh, and sell you some cow crap, you know, for to protect the, <laughs> the secrecy of what's going on. But, you know, I like to take what he was saying um, as being true. One of the things he was pointing out was that, you know, talking about Greg Little, you know, the second round draft pick out of Ole Miss, who seems to be the incumbent at left tackle. You know, he had a lot of positive things to say about him. You know, he said he's looked very fluid out there. And, you know, anyone that's played on the offensive line know that, you know, you have to be fluid like water. You have to be able to move because the type of, you know, edge rushers coming at you are going to be all kinds of moves and leverage and just all kind of things. So I like the fact that he he, uh, he saw that, but he also pointed out the areas that Little can improve. He noted the fact that, that Little got away with a lot of things in college due to him being such a great athlete. But he said that's not gonna that's not gonna work that fell. So the fact that, you know, he's making it known publicly about Greg Little and I'm sure that that's something that offensive line coach Masco and assistant offensive line coach Trevor Wharton, you know, will will be working on him continuously you know, throughout the summer and throughout training camp as well. But overall, the offensive line as a whole, Rivera's talking about the fact that, you know, our Matt Paradis and Darrell Williams are slated to, you know, be a full a full go once training camp comes, and that's good. And I like the fact that there's just so much position flexibility being shown. You know, six-round pick Dennis Daly, even though he played mostly left tackle in college, you know, he was getting reps at right guard, you know, when uh, Trey Turner, I think he, you know, set out a day or two. And it's just good that, you know, we have players that can play multiple positions because as y'all well know, when it's game day, you know, if you got two 
reserve offensive lineman that can pretty much cover any of the five spots, that could be huge. That could allow that can allow us to use another wide receiver or another running back or, you know, another, you know, defensive back. You know, if, if we can get away with having just only seven offensive linemen in a game instead of eight, you know, that that will go a long way to, you know, for us putting ourselves in position to add more firepower on the field, not only offensively, but defensively as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, players are being moved around and trying different things. And uh, it's kind of surprised, you know, Hearns, you know, they we let go of Brandon Mahone, but, you know, we kept Hearns, you know, that, uh, <laughs> yeah, that one kind of, you know, puzzled me a little bit, but it's it's whatever, you know. It is what it is, my man. It is what it is. So, um, anything else you guys want to uh, cover or update the fans about? Or uh, I know we have, I know we we're, we have some things going on in the works uh, behind the scenes that our fans are really going to be enjoying pretty soon. Oh yeah, we definitely are behind the scenes. The construction of the Four Man Rush website has begun. I was able to have a video conference with the website uh, designers and developers this past. Monday and they was able to show me like the home page and man the that thing just looks yeah. it looks so nice yeah. it's it's definitely going to be something that you fans will would definitely be able to enjoy and have an easy time navigating and get to all the information that you want to get to mm-hmm. so that's in the works uh, for you as well also got some deals coming through the pipeline that we're going to check out different options for some four-man rush apparel. That's you right. know, we're looking at, you know, putting that together. You know, we're talking about hats, t-shirts, mm. you know, the cold weather, you know, hoodies, jogging pants. You know, we want to make sure that, you know, our fans can, you know, have access and represent what what it is that makes them tune into what I'm claiming is going to be the number one source for Panther News, the four-man rush. Now, my plan was to go to minicamp tomorrow, but it's calling for a 90% chance of rain. I'll probably be out there Thursday there. Now, only the media is allowed inside to watch the practices, so I'll be able to see players and coaches before and after practice. But uh, that's definitely something I'm going to take advantage of and, you know, give our fans, you know, up-close footage and pictures of of the players for the on the 2019 roster. So, yeah, Foreman Rush definitely has a lot of things in the works going on. And uh, I can tell you, you know, loyal fans, just stay tuned and keep riding with us. I, I, it sounds encouraging, man. It's, if you guys only knew how hard these these fellows are working on this on this, this content and um, getting a platform for everybody to enjoy this, this, this information that we all love and enjoy, which is the Carolina Panthers, um, it's, it's, it's going to show through. It's going to show through. Uh, Will, you have anything to, to say? Yeah, you know, I mean, just keep checking in, you know, see what's new. We got the um, YouTube series up and running. You know, it's getting good feedback. You know, I appreciate all the support on that, you know, right now. Mm -hmm. We got something on DJ and DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel in the work. So be on the lookout for that probably in the next two weeks. Um, Tried to take a little break. So I'll get started on that pretty soon. And then, you know, just – Stay with us, you know. It's off season, you know. We football's twenty four seven around our part, so yes, sir. you know, stay tuned. I'm sorry. Also, I wanted to mention real quick. Want to left out 
you know, please take a chance to go to our Facebook page and check out the great blog work done by our very own Norris Thornberg. Thornberg. Norris. He put out a wonderful piece about Herney's journey, you know, pretty much, you know, giving a little bit of background and coming full circle to how Martin Herney's turned around. It is a great piece to read. I've read it three times myself and I enjoyed it. I'll probably read it again tomorrow, but we definitely want you guys to check out. We have some, we have a great, great blog writer's ability in the four-man rush, and we definitely want y'all to check that out. So check that out as well. So it's called Herney's Journey, and you can find it on only on the Four Man Rush our Facebook page. That's right, folks. The Four Man Rush, right? Just go to the Facebook, go to the search um, search section, and type in the Four Man Rush, and bam! I guarantee it will be the first thing to pop up. Um, Norris has put out some great content, and you know. <laughs> he's 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 actually uh kind of predicted a couple of things too that came to fruition so it's uh, it's, it's it's interesting you guys will really enjoy that read that's for sure um so thanks for dropping in and listening to the uh four man rush podcast uh i'm your host timmy vo and on behalf of kevin and uh will and larry and monty who aren't here tonight that's all right um and like it fells behind the scenes of course norris uh, Mr. Canardo and everybody else that's affiliated and associated with the four man rush. We'd like to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, download, share, like comment, but whatever you do, feel free to, uh, you know, follow us along and, you know, give us your information give us, give us your insight and your input. And, you know, we'll, uh, we'll shoot, shoot out the information on the, uh, good old podcast for you. Again, thanks for listening to the uh, Four Man Rush podcast, and we hope you have a wonderful evening. Stay safe, and as always, keep pounding. The Four Man Rush is brought to you by the love and respect of and for the Carolina Panthers and Carolina Panther fans everywhere. Keep pounding. The Four Man Rush is a non-affiliate of the Carolina Panther organization. All thoughts, assessments, and content of this podcast is directly related to the Four Man Rush exclusively. Thank you.